This is David Freeman, Chief Clinical Officer at Community Connections in Washington, D.C., with another episode of Essential Connections, Tips and Techniques for Case Managers. Today's episode is about efficient and effective service when time matters because of productivity expectations. Business models and behavioral health organize payment in one of three ways, by time on task, usually measured in 15-minute increments, or by a minimum number of client contacts in a given time period, or by expected outcomes. Each system has its pluses and minuses, and each system is remarkably tenacious. DC set up a fee-for-service system for mental health programs 20 years ago, anticipating that it would shift to contractual arrangements in a couple of years once the volume of work across all city contractors had increased. 20 years later, the fee-for-service system is still hanging on. You know you're in a fee-for-service system if your agency pays attention to service hours. Usually, there are productivity targets with bonuses for people who go above and beyond and penalties for people who fall below minimum expectations. This pod highlights strategies that support good clinical care and and success in the productivity space. Strategy number one, know what you are trying to achieve with each client. Ideally, the client will set their own goals in collaboration with you, but if not, then set a goal that's consistent with the client's best interest. When thinking about best interest, remember that some people need to obfuscate Some need to avoid. Others need to fight. In other words, setting goals in the best interest can be incredibly challenging. But overall, if you know where you're going, it's a lot more likely you will get there. Strategy number two, give substance to these goals by thinking through the small steps needed to accomplish them. In the language of Medicaid, these small steps are your objectives. Maybe the goal is to reduce substance use, okay? Initial objectives then might be to name the preferred substance, the frequency of current use, the consequences of relapse, and the desire to change. Strategy number three. To best accomplish these specific goals and objectives, you need to learn everything you can about substance abuse in the individual, and the family, and in societal contexts. Talk to your supervisor, attend trainings, read articles, watch TED Talks, listen to podcasts. The greater your depth and breadth of knowledge about individual dynamics and broader contexts, the more successful you will be. And your desire to learn bodes well for good outcomes. Strategy four, take your time with clients. Often we feel pressured, thinking we must rush through this appointment so we can get to the next one, as if somehow, magically, rushing will generate more service hours. But it doesn't really work that way. The person you're with needs help, so slow down. Enjoy the interaction. Try to understand what is going on and open yourself to figuring out how the client is thinking and feeling. A person who has your full attention, who feels valued, who has some fun with you, who makes progress in a session, is more likely to talk to you again. Strategy number five. You're being stood up. 
This is not uncommon, and it's a killer in the productivity environment. So, reflect. People vote with their feet. If they're not coming, something else is more important. An honest conversation about what actually matters to the person is a lot more valuable than rescheduling, only to end up with another cancellation. This is uh, takes skill, but uncover the real-life obstacles to attendance. Listen for the inevitable ambivalence. Uncover the person's genuine attitude toward the appointment and work with that rather than superficial agreements. If you do reschedule, try to figure out and reinforce the environmental condition and the states of mind that make future attendance more likely. Strategy six, the person shows up obviously wanting to connect, but has no stated goals. This is always puzzling. Ask yourself, what function does the session serve? Is comfort provided? Is a difficult feeling somehow managed? What happens if you don't meet or if you plan to stop? When you press like this with these questions, please allow for the expression of a strong feeling. Be flexible about continuing to work together if that's what the person wants. Sometimes people need you but can't verbalize the goal. Be patient while helping the person articulate ideas about a better future. Strategy seven, the person shows up but complains about the same old stuff. There doesn't seem to be any progress and both you and the person are frustrated. You have options here, a gentle nudge, an honest opinion, tactfully expressed, wry humor, carefrontation. Any of these techniques can help a person get unstuck. And strategy number eight, a reliable person who doesn't miss appointments is a no-show. Wake up and pay attention. Has there been a psychiatric crisis, a relapse, the reemergence of an old, difficult partner? When reliable people disappear, it's really important to follow up. Don't let the event get lost in the general shuffle. Okay, great. These strategies have focused on interventions with the client. In the next podcast, I'll offer some, some, some suggestions that focus on you, the helper.